call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 46 of Call It Friendo, the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Donna Katirnan, watched 2016's Ghostbusters Answer the Call, a.k.a. Lady Ghostbusters. As always, this podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. Please follow Call It Friendo podcast on Instagram, like the Facebook page, leave a review on iTunes, or any or all of the above. Please send any questions or recommendations to callitfriendopodcast at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram. Who are you going to call? So what the fuck have you been watching? <laughs> well, I've uh, the fuck I've been watching is four films that are all interconnected. Nice. I don't know where to start. I guess I should start by saying, by introducing the end first, because this morning I went to see James Gunn's James Pistolas. That's his Spanish name. I went to see James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Wow, I'm jealous. And so... In preparation for that, I watched Slither and Super, the two James Gunn films of 2006 and 2010. And then I watched Suicide Squad from David Ayer. Ayer. Okay. So can I just, can I, let's take this uh, on slightly different turf. So this week, can I just probe you with questions? That's important for you. Well, I'm a turf, yeah. Have you seen any of these films? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Ah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think Slither and um, uh, Super are absolutely brilliant. Great fun. Mm. Exactly what I'm Mm. in town for, to be honest. Well, uh, Slither was James Gunn's directorial debut. It's a sci-fi horror comedy starring Nathan Fillion, enemy of the show Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks and Michael Rooker. The yep. great Michael Rooker, who yeah. he used uh, to excellent effect as Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy. Nathan Fillion, uh, I liked, uh, also in Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. Who was he in Guardians of the Galaxy? He is uh, the prisoner who first goes to uh, kind of... <laughs> like. I mean, we're not working for Disney, so we can say it. He goes to like rape Peter Quill or something when they first get into the prison in um, oh, Guardians. Yeah. And uh, Groot shoves his uh, branches up his nose or whatever. Yeah, that is familiar. That's Nathan Fillion. Call that now. Yeah, Slither, I enjoyed it. it you can see uh, James Gunn's uh, trauma movie background. There's some excellent body horror with extraterrestrial worm creatures plugging into people's stomachs. I thought it was funny. It's got a great cast, and it's a solid B-movie horror comedy. But you really enjoyed it. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in university, that would have been one of the DVDs in the house that got watched a fair few times. Ah, okay. I'll say. Um, I hadn't seen it in years, though. I saw uh, Super again maybe two years ago, and um, mm-hmm. that's, like, it's a re- I really enjoy it. I wouldn't, there's nasty, it's quite a nasty film as well. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of interesting. One thing I'll say, though, yeah. is uh, Rain Wilson, I mean, he disturbs me too much to root for. <laughs> he, they did really, really choose someone who looks like that kind of downtrodden loser. 
and he's got that kind of like school shooter vibe to him. He does, yeah. And also, the, I I felt really uncomfortable because I like that film makes me feel like I might be gay because Elliot Page mm. is so hot in it. Elliot Page rapes Rain Wilson. Yeah, actually, I, that was my my major takeaway from it. Well, two major takeaways were. I wonder what Elliot Page thinks of that film now because he <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uses a lot of bad language and femininity which would not be acceptable. Yes, he uses his femininity to uh, devastating effect. Yeah, but he he says he calls something gay at one point, which is very. It's, I mean, he's just he was just reading the the sick and twisted words of James Gunn, mm. the evil homophobe James Gunn. James, and that was the other thing. That was the other thing from watching the film. I was like, oh, I see why James Gunn's tweets of that time period would have led to him being cancelled. Yeah, of course. Yeah, given this, he's like, this is his, this is the kind of thing that he was putting in screenplays and like producing in films. James uh, Gunn, of yeah, course, call, famously cancelled. Yeah. Frequently. Yeah. Oh, he got cancelled. He got cancelled because he was attacking some right wing guys, and so they publicized his tweets. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a, a left wing cancelling. It was a. It was a right wing cancel. No, but it was like one of those ones where yeah, the uh, right wingers um, like researched his tweets and then just shoved them in the face of Disney. So Disney yeah. were like, "Well, so we're woke, so fuck you, James Gunn." Uh, yeah. But J- after he got hired, after he got hired by Warner Brothers to do the Suicide Squad, Disney rehired him the next day. Yeah, the next day yeah. was it that soon? The next day, the next day after I, I was just reading about this today. The next day after he got the 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 uh, Suicide Squad gig. Disney oh wow! I mean that like that Guardians information too. was definitely not publicized at the time. <laughs> no, because I remember it was like when it's he was cynical. No, 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 I remember when he got the suicide job, uh, suicide job, the suicide squad job initially, that was all, like, I mean, it was obvious where that was, co- like, what a great move from Warner Brothers, I mean, we're just being destroyed, yeah. we're just being destroyed from every direction by Disney, let's fuck these cunts up, but tell me this, and tell me no more before you tell me about James Gunn's suicide squad, is David Ayer's suicide squad as horrific as uh, everybody says? I would say no. I think, I mean, it was, as you say, it was absolutely torn apart by critics. I have to say, I had zero expectations for this film, and I found it to be very fun. It was dogged by reshoots, which Ayer said ripped the heart out of his original vision, and there have been calls to release the Ayer cut, mainly Uh, from David Ayer Ayer himself. (laughs) It's mostly been him that's been pushing for that. It's not quite as hooky a name as Snyder. (laughs) Yeah, Snyder cut is great, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, clunky dialogue in this. It's a little uneven, and the main baddies' goons are unbelievably generic, but it's not a terrible film. And also, I would say I don't hate Jared Leto's Joker. Ah, not that's the famous terrible. takeaway. Not terrible, yeah. Okay, but right, and does the Batman feature in it? I call him the Batman because I watched one today. Yeah, uh, in very, very brief scenes, mostly involving Will Smith's uh, dead shot. Not in flashback or anything? Yeah, basically that, just in flashback. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But I think what happened was they filmed stuff that was going to... I mean, the film was apparently chopped to pieces, and um, stuff that was going to be like the first 40 minutes of the film ended up being recut into it later on as kind of flashback scenes. If you read about some of the stuff that they did to it, it's actually mental. They like 
the, my first thing, or the thir- first thing I noticed about watching Suicide Squad, the uh, the 2016 one, was just the music cues are ridiculous. It's just like massive, massive pop and rock song. Like every five minutes, there's another huge, huge, massively famous. Do you song. think they were trying to and do it- a Guardians? Well, that's like I don't know what they were trying to do, but apparently, what they did was they there the film's composer had uh, written music, which was placed in those scenes, and then when uh, Warner Brothers took the film back, they basically said like, "No, we need a huge, massively popular film." Uh, um, sorry, song here, and yeah, it just it feels really, really strange. Well, it's them ripping off Guardians, surely. I mean, this is apparently. Apparently, out of touch studios pushing ideas uh, that they had assumed were in vogue because of whatever was on social media that year they produced the films. Apparently, that was very much um, the tune of uh, 2016, as I'm sure we'll get on to later on. But never mind all of that shite. What about this year's Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad. So on to James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which I watched this morning. The returning cast members are Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman, Viola Davis, and uh, Jai Courtney. And the main additions are Idris Elba's Bloodsport, John Cena's Peacemaker, and Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark. I was uh, I was intrigued to see if the film was going to be more Slither, Super, or Guardians. And really, it's kind of an amalgamation of all of these things. Because you've got the kind of body horror and bad guy mechanics from Slither, the dark comedic tone of Super... And then you've got the team dynamics and the genuinely moving character moments from the two Guardians films. Like, it might be the James Gunniest of all the James Gunn films. Yeah, I am actually it's, it's really basically looking forward everything to everything all together. I think it was, uh, personally, I thought it was excellent. Like, DC just let him off the leash. It's R-rated. They let him, like, from the get-go, they said, you can kill anyone you want. Cause spoilers Except for, for Harley Quinn. Spoilers for 20... No, I think anyone was on the table. Uh, Um, I don't think Margot uh, Robbie's Harley Quinn was. Well, I don't know. That's what I read. I read that they said he could kill anyone. He was alive. I bet they would say that. Spoilers for 2021's The Suicide Squad. Harley Quinn doesn't die. (laughs) Yeah, no. But my... Like... I'm just saying that just because she's just the big face on the poster. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think actually, I think like she was the only cast member that they, she was the only cast member that he had to use. Mm. I think that was the only character that they basically said like, okay, yeah, like Robbie's in, we want her in it. That was it. But um, apart from that, he didn't have to reuse anyone else. Again, spoilers for 2016's The Suicide Squad, but only two members of the squad die. And in 2021s, there's a huge number of deaths. A massive, <laughs> oh, massive God. Massive, I'm so jealous of you having gone to see life. it. It's fun. It's quite long, but it's, it, was, it never overstayed its welcome. Going back to the music cues, that's the huge difference because the music in Suicide Squad is like the Guardians films. It's cool. It's songs that you haven't heard before, or maybe you That's do key. know, but you're like, wow, I haven't heard this. They all fit perfectly. They're used so well. They they're, they mesh with the action. It's just they're used extremely well. It's funny. It's gory. It's poignant when it matters. I would heartily recommend for anyone to watch this. In I the can't summer. wait you don't to, need watch to watch it. You don't need to watch the 2016 version. It's not connected to the rest of the DCEU. You don't really gain anything from having seen Suicide Squad 2016. So 
And um, you can just watch is it, it also in Blockbuster? Uh, it might be. Might be on H- it it might be in, in HBO Blockbuster. Yeah, I think it might be shortly. Uh, in the cinema today, I saw a trailer for Reminiscence, which is Lisa Joy's directorial debut yes. with Hugh Jack manager. Looks pretty good. Yeah, and I just noticed that's a dual release. It's coming out next month, but it's going to be dual released, I think, on HBO and in the cinema. So oh. that will definitely be appearing on the shelves of your local blockbuster when it first comes out, although it does look really good. Also, I on thought o- the trailer was cool. On October 22nd this year will be another um, cinema release, blockbuster release. Um, have you seen the latest trailer for um, Dune? I did, yeah. I don't know anything about Dune. I mean, I haven't read the book ah, okay. or anything. So um, anytime I watch a trailer for it, I'm like, yeah, that's great. I, I, it looks amazing, but I don't know anything. I don't know who these characters are, so it means nothing to oh, me. Oh, that's so, so I'm just funny. Trying to stay it away. means so much I'm to me. I'm trying to stay away from all the plot <laughs> stuff. Everything just makes me go, ah. Yeah, very excited about that. The other, the other trailer, which uh, we can maybe get to, uh, later that I watched this week was uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, there's a new Ghostbusters. No, trailer? I haven't seen yeah, the new there's one. A new, there's a second trailer. Yeah, we can we can touch on that later, maybe. We can. Anyway, those were the fourth interconnected things that I watched. What have you been watching? Okay, so uh, first of all, um, to just kind of blech, eject uh, the pretentiousness of uh, Twin Peaks. No, Twin Peaks was good. Twin Peaks season two is not. But to get that out of my system, I watched West Wing season three, which is, yeah, par for the course. It's the second last season that uh, Aaron Sorkin was there. Um, it's also where I... What are, the, what are the big highlights of season three? I struggle to place things in the West Wing timeline. Okay, so let's see. At the start of it, um, they... So the last episode of season two is Two Cathedrals, where he announced that oh. he's going to run for re-election and everybody knows he has MS now. Which right. um, so then the, um, a good chunk of the season is used up with hearings to see did anybody know he was lying etc. Um, then there is a terrorism plot that was kind of inspired by nine eleven in the oh, second yeah, half. Oh yeah, it's got the, the guy scene. from um, Office Space in it. Ajay Naidu. Is he from Office Space? I think so. No, not sure. Uh, if only did, there was some way to check that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. It was Ajay Naidu, the little guy from Office Space who. Didn't pick up Doesn't on it when watching. Doesn't want to go to federal pound me in the ass prison. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Uh, not quite so much as I, I did when I was watching season two this year. Um, but uh, yeah, whatever. It's where I stopped when I was watching The West Wing initially. So it's all new from here for me with that. But whatever about that shit. Okay. Have you ever seen United 93? Oh, yeah. I've seen it uh, um, at least five times. God damn, it's good. I've seen it so many times. I just love it because the tension, the building of tension, and they're just the the dude. I had never seen it. I had never seen it. Background music builds as well at the same time. Oh man, I love United ninety three. Oh my god, it's so good. Honestly, myself and Belen, um, Belen, shout out to Belen. Uh, We just turned it on on a whim. We were like, you know, it's a hot day. Just staying inside with the aircon on. Just put on this. My god, we were fucking glued to it. It's amazing. He did a yeah. real good trick with not having um, anybody famous in that, anybody recognizable. Well, and um, a large chunk of the people are the actual real people. 
As Obviously not the ones on the plane. The air traffic but, controllers. Uh, the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them are the actual real people. Wow. Oh. Like one of the guys who's, I don't know if he's at like NORAD or something and he's like talking to people. He's the actual guy. Wow. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, because they're just going, they're going through what they would do in a drill and what they did on the day. And it's, it feels authentic for that reason. It's fucking, it's great. Oh my it's great. God. It's such a savage film. Yeah. I absolutely loved that. Um, another film I watched, Happy Death Day. Have you seen that? No, I have not seen Happy Death Day, nor have I seen Happy Death Day to you. Uh, I mean, it's fine. It's fun. Um, but the I, the reason I'm in a huff is because immediately after watching United 93, I wanted to watch Zero Dark Thirty. But Belen was not yeah. up for watching a two, hour, two hours, 40 minutes about a movie about pursuing Bin Laden. So whatever. After that, I went to the cinema. Went to the cinema and I saw Black Widow. I found Black Widow fairly disappointing. There were parts of it I enjoyed. I enjoyed it when it was all bang smacky and kind of like uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. But, and I, like, generally speaking, just love uh, Florence Pugh. I think she's great. I think the the kind of jokes that would have annoyed me being uh, attempted by many, many other actors, uh, I enjoy, I just think she's a good presence. I like her. David Harbour annoyed the shit yeah. out of me. Hated him in it. That's so funny. I thought he was like the best part. Oh, God. I think I specifically called him out and said he was the best bit. Well, one thing that I zeroed in he's on. Also in, uh, he's, he's also in 2016 Suicide Squad. One thing that I, in the dream. I couldn't help zeroing in on is, do you remember there was all this kerfuffle about um, this film coming out with the horrible Irish accents, Wild Mountain Time? Yeah, I remember you talking about that. Well, there was an online kerfuffle about it. Now, let me say, this is just demonstrative of how the Russians are just harder people than us. They have got to be the most bad-accented nation in history by anyone. Scotland has it pretty bad. So does Ireland. What are you talking about? Nowhere near so bad as the Russians. Are you joking? That's, I think those Russian, but this is the thing. I think those Russian accents are good. Yes, you do. <laughs> right. They're, right. So this. So, I, so does everyone think that all people's Scottish and Irish accents are good? I don't know. I think Mel Gibson's Scottish accent is fine. <laughs> it's not the worst. I mean, there's far worse. It could be like Christoph Lambert or someone. Well, come on. That's a famously that's ridiculous accent. Bad. But anyway. I'm kind of picking There's holes plenty in the of shit of both Scottish and Irish. But anyway, go ahead. I'm picking holes in the areas I didn't actually have much problems with. I just thought in the end it was kind of. Uh... Wait, you think Florence Pugh's Russian accent is better than David Hart? No, 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 no. I didn't think any of the Russian okay. accents were good. Yeah, I think I like. I think they're all of a similar standard. Let's say. No, no, no. I just thought Florence Pugh was really good. Um, I really enjoyed her in the movie. And there were elements of the plan, I suppose, I enjoyed, etc. But uh, ultimately, well, two things bothered me. One of them has nothing to do with the film. Okay. Firstly, could they have constructed a more generic Marvel film? You know? And like, I'm sorry, but it it didn't need to be that way. I just... Uh, for example, how grounded of a film, now forget the last act, which also includes quite a bit of story, how grounded of a film is Captain America Civil War, right? This is this is the problem, is I think that you watched uh, Winter Soldier and Winter Civil Soldier War and Civil recently. War very recently, yeah. I just think, like, that whole, like, it, I texted you with this, it felt... They're, to, they're better films, I agree, they are much better films. It felt to me like, a, like, the wrong end of Pierce Brosnan's Bond career. 
Like we fly off to some fat British Russian in the sky who controls a bunch of ladies for a finale. I just thought it was mad stupid. The Yeah, but the other issue that I had with the Black Widow, and we've talked about this before, but it's just like, why did they hire Kate Shortland if they weren't going to allow her to make a Kate Shortland film? It's just for, they hired her for the visuals. It's the same, I, I'm assuming the same reason why they hired Chloe Zhao, although I haven't seen that film yet, Eternals. But I don't think it was for her narrative chops. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it was purely just for visual elements. But Andy, on this podcast, we have watched all three of Kate Shortland's previous films. There is mm. nothing of Kate Shortland in Black Widow. I disagree. I think I said at the time, like, some of the shots of Norway, and she she has a few kind of, like, following characters quite close up with low-down cameras, like camera from the ground almost following a character. There's definitely a few visual elements near the start that feel very shortlandy, but I agree. By the time it gets to the big kind of final set piece in the sky, you're like, that could be fuck. That could be anyone. Well, yeah, no, it's just, like, point, uh, like, just like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure did. I'm sure. I'm sure Kate Shortland didn't take the job against her will or anything like that. But it's just unless I don't know unless exactly. Anyway. Because I couldn't get to the cinema, and because I'm, you know, egging along at a Marvel rewatch, I rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. I am after watching the Suicide Squad. I on the way home, I was like, I'm going to rewatch the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one today. Oh, it's really good. Um, I remember, isn't it? Isn't it? I remember I was uh, I was working as a film journalist at the time, uh, slightly just reviewing films the odd time for this magazine. And I was also working in this uh, bar and a guy I worked with who was from Hungary, his younger brother, who's 16, was coming to stay. And he was asking me, uh, can you think of anything that my younger brother could do? And I was like, "Uh, well, I'm going up to this press screening for Guardians of the Galaxy. I'll take him along, if you like, not knowing the rules of such things. Um, So he's like, yeah, yeah, sounds great. So this means me having to go up to Dublin. I lived on the other side of the country for a 10 a.m. screening, meaning having to leave at 6 a.m. So this kid comes to my apartment at 6 a.m., we go up, get the bus, we're on the road, whatever. When we arrive at the critic screening, then I'm there looking for this guy. I was like, where's Benny? Where's Benny? Benny went off to get popcorn, which was just like, so he's the only person in the critic screening with a large popcorn <laughs> and a large Coke. I always... He's a very special critic. Exactly, yeah. I always remember that to be quite funny. I mean, it was clearly I had just snuck him into it, but whatever. Guardians is a... Absolutely terrific. I mean, apart from the obvious thing I normally have the problems with, with the finale, even though the finale in this case is actually pretty good. The finale's got Chris Pratt doing his dance. Doing his dance. And then they all hold hands. What are you talking about? That's a great bit. And they say, we are Groot. We are are Groot. We are Groot. Come on, we are Groot. By the way, King Shark is basically Groot and to good effect. And that was why James Gunn wanted to include uh, some animal-type character in the cast. But yeah, it's basically using humor to make you care about the characters, and then you care about this group of characters together as a little group before the end credits. It's great. It really, really fucking works. It's so much fun. It does. Um, I cried. I remember. What? Watching Guardians? Mm Mm-hmm. Really? At what point? Well, I specifically at that point. I, I think at the, like, We Are Groot part and the... Wow. The kind of, like, beating the... Beating... What's his name? What's the name of the baddie? Ronan the Conqueror. Ronan the Accuser. Ronan, that's right. Ronan the Keating. Exactly. R- Ronan the Keating, yeah. 
But uh, actually, as I was watching it this time, there's this uh, part where these all these spaceships join together to form a force yeah. fielder on another one. And I was just watching it going, my God, James Gunn is just a, just a big kid, just the way he works. Like, that's the sort of thing a kid would dream up, that kind of shit going on. Uh, I, that was the thing, watching Slither and Super, I was kind of shocked that James Gunn got the Guardian's job. Because I was like, that's... They gave this huge Marvel property to the guy who did films about alien worms create like there's some disgusting shit in slither and then as he said super is so dark it's extremely dark i was like they gave with this to this guy but then i love guardians of the galaxy yeah it's terrific and i enjoyed it all over again then uh, as though to counteract that i watched a very po-faced superhero film in the dark knight rises where are you on the dark knight rises even though it has problems, I still really enjoy it. I like Bane. I like. I think I love. There's Bane. a lot goes I on in Dark Knight Bane. Rises. There's a lot to it. There's so much fun stuff, like where um, what's her name? Is it Thalia? What's the name of the Razal Razal Ghul's daughter? What's she called? Talia. Yeah, Talia. Her death scene is so funny. Like uh, I don't know if you've if you've watched much of the clips of that. No. But just like, so she did a kind of death scene where she went kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny to watch on YouTube. And when, when, um, when, what's, what's the actress? Is it Audrey? Is that Audrey Tautu? Or it's because no, um, this is where, I, this is where I got Marion Cotillard. This, yeah. see, look, this is, we talked about, I talked about this in a previous episode. Those two people are the same people in my head. They are the same people. Uh, yeah. So when Marion Cotillard, saw that Christopher Nolan had used the 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 take that he used of her death scene, she was very, very pissed off because it was so bad. <laughs> so I definitely recommend going back and just watching her death scene. It is hilarious. But yeah, all of all of the all of that kind of postscript to that uh film, just that like that that ending is ridiculous and they could have done it they could have done it so much better. Well, you could have just, yeah. it's easy to fix. It's easy to fix. It just is. Don't show us Christian Bale at the end. Well, that I don't have too much of a problem with, honestly. I it's I'm not a huge fan of it, but I don't have too much of a problem with it. More so, recently I have watched the other two Batman films, and they are just so propulsive. It's crazy. Like when you watch them these days. After you, uh, well, me personally, I probably watched them to death at a certain point. I know it right. hadn't seen them in a few years, and I went back and I was like, "Oh my god, the Dark Knight in particular just never stops." But yeah, this film just goes to that weird whole prison for like forty minutes. I like the whole prison. I really like the whole prison part. Really? Yeah. What's that? I I can't even. What is it that they're chanting when he's trying to? It means climb. It means rise. Fasa, fasa, See, I haven't, I haven't. That makes sense now. Dark Knight Rises. I get it. No, it all makes sense now. I like it. I think it's the best film ever. No, because I was watching it there, going and like haven't seen the previous two films recently enough as well. You got to see that they have loads of logic gaps and shit in them that they just jump through hoops to. But that prison. That's taking a line for a walk. Like, what is that? Everybody's so healthy in there, but nobody's feeding them. They get um, nutrients from the insects. 
the fly around. Anyway, whatever. There's loads of cool stuff in it too, though. Fucking Bane is... I prefer him as a villain to the Joker. I think uh, Tom Hardy's Bane is just fucking a behemoth. I think he's so cool. Really, really nailed that. But I do think the theory that people have posed that Christopher Nolan only made that so he would get to make Inception holds a lot of water. What was that? That was like a deal with Warner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he would get to make Inception if he committed to a third... um, Ah, that makes sense. Batman film, which, yeah, there you go. But then the other film I watched, which I won't talk too much about, um, is I watched the first Ghostbusters film because I had to convince myself that it was ever good in the first place. Because of watching Ghostbusters 2016? Later marketed as Ghostbusters Ghostbusters Answer the Call, yes. Answer the Call? Answer the goddamn call, fool. Andy. Really? Did this destroy your your ghost-busting dreams? I just really hated watching this. (laughs) I I thought it was... It's definitely the worst film I watched this week, and I watched 2016's uh, Suicide Squad. And I'll tell you that, Suicide Squad, far better than Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Uh, For me, this is the worst film I've watched for this podcast. Oh, it's not for me. I don't, I mean, I didn't enjoy this film, but I still took little pieces from it that I enjoyed more than my Winnipeg. Like, oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Not as bad as my Winnipeg. But yeah, this is in the bottom five. Definitely. Good God. And again, we haven't really been trying to watch shit films. It was me that brought this to the table. Yeah. What possessed you? You got to watch it eventually. Because I think it's necessary to have seen it in order to fully comprehend, in order to appreciate good films, it's necessary to see the flip side of the metaphorical coin. And this is it. Yeah, it fucking is. This was terrible. I have never watched it's a film. It's not great. It's not great. I'll give you that. When so many jokes are tried for and not one works. The problem is it's heavily improv it's so improv. And again, this is something I noticed when I was watching both of the Suicide Squads was no matter the failings of the 2016 Suicide Squad, it had a, a nailed down script and they went back and reshot jokes to make it fun to try and kind of lighten the tone. But even then it was like this shit looked written, whereas this Ghostbusters film, a lot of it looked like they just turned on the camera. They had all the props turned on the camera and were like, ah, we'll, we'll get something. So we're just going to, we'll just improv our way through some scenes. If we're just going to engage in this old hatchet job, then the first thing I would like uh, to pose a theory of, well, I would like to pose an answer to the question of why, like why this ever got made. Well, because they were, they were trying to make a Ghostbusters 3 for such a long time. Do you think this was influenced by the political climate? What was happening? What else came out around that time? I mean, this was eventually made in 2016. It didn't take that long to put together, I seem to remember. I think it was only like 2014 that the, yeah. the wheels were in motion, even for this. So what were the other... Ocean's 8 was later than Ocean's that, Ladies, it? yeah. That was much later. Ocean's 8 is 2018. I don't know. I get. I just... Was it a case of let's get ladies to do it? Or you've got Paul Feig. It, it's it's all connected to Bridesmaids and the, and the success of Bridesmaids. But the four main stars are SNL member, cast members. See, here's why I think this is just... The same as the first film. I mean, how many of the, how many of the original cast of the first film were on SNL? 
Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. Two. He was on SNL, wasn't he, Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, yeah, two. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, is it just the two? Yeah. Right. So this time they've got the four main cast members, plus um, Cecily Strong was there. She was like the mayor's aide. She's a kind of respected SNL cast member and is actually funny. I thought she was reasonably funny in this. I thought she was better than, than some of them. Well, I would put it like this. I mean, with the original Ghostbusters film, you kind of had lightning in a bottle. It's not, it's a weird film, but it's really, really good. It's yeah a successful horror comedy that on paper probably shouldn't work. Like other things. And is not based on any other existing property. Yeah. It's an entirely original idea. That's mad. And it, the, the original film, the budget was between 25 to 30 million, which was unheard of for a comedy. And they spent money on, on effects, which mm, the success of which later, you know, nowadays, a lot of things don't hold up so well. But most of the practical stuff I remember looks decent. Well, and you know, well, no, actually, I would. I would say it's a lot of the practical stuff looks dog shit. Like when, um, yeah, there's the weird demon thing at the top of the building and shit like that. But like all the ghosts look flying around the city. I mean, the film creates such a mood that you just go with it. It works as far as I'm concerned in the original one. But also, I mean, well, first of all, it was it was fueled an awful lot by Dan Aykroyd's weird passions. He was really into ghosts and shit like that. But, that decade, you had two other films that, on paper, are just fucking madness. But they just worked. They were lightning in a bottle based on nothing. You had American Werewolf in London, which I genuinely think is ju- just a dynamite, outstanding film, on a level with Ghostbusters, I think. And Gremlins, similarly, is just fantastic and weird and scary. All three of those films are actually scary. And I just think... Ghostbusters 2016 is an example of somebody trying to kind of force the stars to align. I feel sorry for everybody involved in this project. I'm sure the studio heads that kind of forced this to happen just said, well, we just put the funny girls in the thing and the funny director and it'll all be fine, won't it? And Look, particularly someone like um, Kirsten Wig, who I, I think is often quite funny, I'm sure she must have sensed that this wasn't going well when she made it. She was the best cast member of the four for me. I liked her. I thought she was funny in it. Wait. I liked what she was doing, but she was playing the exact same role that she always plays, like the kind of straight yeah. straight woman. <laughs> Is that the female version of a straight man? She was playing she was playing the very straight role. Oh, so you mean you didn't like um Melissa McCarthy? Melissa McCarthy was playing some kind of Midwestern corn-fed scientist. It, it felt a bit of a mishmash. She she was reined in a little more than usual. She wasn't like bridesmaids extreme, but yeah. The, when they did wire work with her at one point, she's flying through the air. At that moment, I was like, is this a Ghostbusters film? What is going on here? And you did enjoy Kate McKinnon. I texted you at one point during the week and said, how did Kate McKinnon get cast in anything ever? Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I need to accept that she's, she's not for me. 
Like, whatever she does, it's not for me. I found her the most irritating character ever. Everything she did in this film was, like, overacting. I thought it was insane. Well, we'll at some point have to address it, so we'll address it now. I watched a different version of this film to you. I watched the extended cut, so I don't know, did this make it into yours? But I wrote down this one line in particular, which is when she says, uh, Kate McKinnon's character, uh, Holson, uh, Holtzman. Holtzman. She says, well, I would have used aluminium, but then again, I'm just weird, you know? And I was like, oh, is that what you are? You're the weird one. Oh, I get it. That's what she's supposed to be, kooky. Oh, you're lesbian. the weird one. Oh, God damn it, she's irritating. But I saw a lot of comments online like, lesbians really reacted strongly to the character and were like, yeah, it's, I, I just couldn't see... I couldn't see the positive points, so I was just like, "Wow, this it it genuinely is is not aimed at me at all." Like that's the only thing I could take from it was, "This is not for me." No, it actually. Then, then then I looked at her like SNL characters, and I watched some clips of her, and I was like, "She's amazing at accents. She's really really good. She's really good at accents." But I didn't find anything that she's. I hadn't, couldn't find her doing anything funny. I don't think you're out of touch, Andy. I think uh, this is a horrible film. Horrible. Let's go in the cast. It just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> directly. Well, how, how, how many Paul Feig films have you seen? I'll list off some of them. And do, 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 do. You've do. seen Bridesmaids, right? Yes, I have. I really like that film. Me too. You know, Bri- Bridesmaids got two Oscar nominations. For what? Melissa McCarthy and the script. Okay. I like that uh, it has after... an Irish guy in it. Yeah, that's right. Old, uh, what's his name again? Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd, Chris O'Dowd. Oh, yeah, but going back with Paul Feig, the first thing that I remember of his was uh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah. Have you watched Freaks and Geeks? I have, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was a a Jodapato thing. That's what everyone thinks. That's what I think, too. But Paul Feig is the creator, and Judd Apatow was just the exec producer. Uh But Paul Feig is the creator of Freaks and Geeks. Like, he, he wrote it. He's it like create. He's the listed as creator. Oh wow! Fair play. And also wrote episodes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like he created Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, that was a really good show. Like, Judd Apatow's Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So he's got that going for him. He's got you know he's got Freaks and Geeks. Okay. After Bridesmaids was The Heat with Sandra Bullock. I have not seen that. Neither have I, but it was another box office hit, as was Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids made $288 million from a 32.5 cost. After the heat was Spy with Jason Statham. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. That's very funny. Me too. Yeah, I saw that. That was another big hit. Got Golden Globe nominations. I thought it was fine. I thought it was, yeah, it was a solid enough comedy. Then came Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is where the wheels came off for Paul Fee, because... It was a hundred and forty-four million budget. It grossed two hundred and twenty-nine worldwide, which was considered a big bomb due to marketing costs, etc. Does that count as like losing money essentially if you don't double your according, budget? According to Hollywood uh, accounting practices, and because of the marketing budget, yes, that counts as a loss. Oh no! Despite making more money than its official budget. 2018, he made A Simple Favor with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Have you seen that? No, I have not. I've heard it's uh, okay, though. Yeah, I saw it in the cinema. It was okay, but it's a bit of a mess. Uh, It did okay critically and commercially. It wasn't too bad. In 2019, he made Last Christmas with Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. I've heard that's total dog shit. Neither of us have seen that. So yeah, it was panned. Next up, he's doing a young adult film for Netflix called The School for Good and Evil. Due out next year. 
I'm never going to watch that. I think that will be like a Kate McKinnon of a film for me, so I will not be watching that. Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, so that's Paul Feig's uh, filmography. Bit of a mixed bag. To say the least. Kind of looks like it's getting worse overall. Yeah. <laughs> this output started great and then just kind of got worse progressively. It also, it kind of sucks for, uh, now there you go, This this will be, if I become, I don't know, Famous down the road, people can back. Let it out. Can Let it people all can out. backtrack to this moment of philosophizing? I feel bad for women because of Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, because people will put shit like this down to women, but it's not down to women. It's just down to shit ideas, and I hate that ghost. That in my head at the moment, bridesmaids is the only counteraction I can think of. Even though there's other stuff like that you can put against it, like. Broad City, have you ever watched that show? I enjoy that show. No, I've watched clips of it and it did look it looked pretty good. Yeah. I just never I haven't got around to it. That's a show I still I still haven't watched Flea Bag as everyone is going on about. I know I will probably Well that's brilliant too. Yeah, no no no. I just haven't got around to it. There's loads of shit with funny ladies. It's just it just sucks that such resources and Kate McKinnon would be cynically poured into um a Ghostbuster-shaped mold and try to make something wonderful. When, as a matter of fact, Ghostbusters, as even Ghostbusters 2 proves, let's be fair, Ghostbusters was kind of lightning in a bottle. Like, it was just fuck. Ghostbusters 2, well, I mean, I feel like that was unfairly shit on. Because it, it wasn't really trying to do the same thing as the first film. It was maybe a bit more commercial, kind of kid-friendly. But there's still there's there's a lot to like. I got a lot of respect for Ghostbusters too, but it's it is just like it is technically speaking. Let me put it like this: it's a you know, (laughs) it's it's like uh, James Cameron made Aliens as a sequel to Alien. Yeah, and exactly like so, you went from horror film to action film, like you just mentioned. That kind of went from horror comedy to sort of almost family movie, nearly. Yeah, definitely, it's a lot more kid friendly. Yeah, um, which was fine. Yeah, but at the the same time, Ghostbusters, the original, works on so many different levels. It's fucking like the like it is. It is scary. It's got these weird bits with Rick Moranis as this super nerd who's Sigourney, (laughs) which really work as well. Bill Murray is being peak Bill Murray and being a bit of a pervert as well. And then you have that, like, I just think it's such a fantastic punchline, if you can call it a punchline, when the um, Stay Stay Puft Marshmallow Man appears. Right, yeah. Another thing that fucking just irked yeah, me about to, uh, this, all oh, yeah, the... Yeah. So we, we get, I just want to say, is it the first film where Ray gets, uh, where a ghost uh, pleasures Ray? Is that in the first film? I don't believe so. No, he gets he, he gets his belt undone, and the, you're meant to believe that a ghost is like sucked him off. Unless I missed that. Was that in the first or the second? You must have missed that part. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'll search for it because I don't know what I don't know which one it is. But, yeah, yeah, um, please do. What if I what am I gonna search? Ray Ghostbusters, <laughs> Ray Ghostbusters Ghost Blowjob, or Ray Ghostbusters Blowjob? Let's see what that comes up with. Let's see what kind of imagery we're dealing with here. <laughs> there's a there's there's a Reddit thread called "Why the hell does Ray Stance get a ghost BJ in Ghostbusters?" <laughs> so it is the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the first one. Okay, um, I might have been simultaneously looking after a baby, and that might have got past me. 
Well, a ghost blow a ghost blow job. But anyway, more power to them. More power to them. I mean, Ghostbusters is more in line with something like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Which is a great film. Yeah, it's it's an entry into the genre while in a way kind of maybe satirizing the genre in in a similar way. You've got comedy elements, but it still functions as a form of horror film. I mean, or thriller or something. It is scary. I think the so the biggest problem with this Ghostbusters 2016 or from the inception of it was they had to decide whether to it was it going to follow on from those previous films or not and I think they picked like a kind of terrible middle ground where it doesn't follow on from the first two films but then it references them frequently including three actor four actors from the first films are in these and it just and playing completely different roles it just it feels like it it's it's lumbered with all this baggage yeah it either needed to follow on directly or it needed to have nothing to do with the first it's from the stranger things school of filmmaking um i don't know are you a fan of stranger things but just the way that they you know the, the the art of stranger things is referencing steven spielberg films of the 1980s that's what they do um, and I often think, well, I've, I didn't even get through the first season. I was just watching going, well, why wouldn't you just watch the Spielberg films? Because they're better than this. And Well, if, if, you don't, if you don't like Stranger Things, you might not like uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which has been compared. For people watching the trailer have said it's very much like Yeah, Stranger I things. know. All the nostalgia is all the rage these days. But I mean that is another thing that kind of tripped these people up. I mean what the okay, something that could work that works almost in direct contradiction to Ghostbusters 2016 would be something like the 21 Jump Street films, right? Yes. The yes. only way to that this could have been in any way respectable. Not respectable. I'm being too high and mighty about it. But one way that this could have worked is, Could have worked, yes. Is if they took the piss out of the fact that they were making Lady Ghostbusters. If they were self-aware and were like, this is fucking Lady Ghostbusters. Like the 21 Jump Street films kind of made fun of what a stupid premise it was and just went along with it. And how, made- their, their version of doing that in this film was they, they did reshoots, which was to include the part where they upload video footage onto YouTube and then there are YouTube comments saying like, oh, it's just a bunch of stupid women. Women shouldn't be doing oh, this. Yeah, that yeah. was their attempt to deal with that kind of controversy. They have another, co- they really have another what, pop what, at those. What you're suggesting makes sense. They have another pop at that with uh, like most the, the the spirits that are really unhappy or oh, they're mostly dudes. It's like a, a pop at my and yours community, the incel community, Andy. The... I'm not incel, I'm Volcel. Oh, Volcel, sorry, you've upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm voluntary cell. You've discovered Buddha. <laughs> I love myself, that's right. I only love fat Eastern men. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, instantly as I was watching it, uh, and I was like, honestly, I had to, I watched this the day after I got my second COVID vaccine, and I felt awful. Um, um, <laughs> my girlfriend looked at me at one point, and she just goes, I've never seen you like this, just kind of torturing yourself like this. And I was, <laughs> she was asking me, like, how long is left in this? I was like, oh, God, there's an hour. There's an hour left. long. Oh, my God. It's yeah. two hours. It's two hours long. What's the justification for that? 
that's part of the kind of Judd Apatowization of films. I feel like that's where Paul Feig picked up this bad habit. Yeah. Making a comedy that's way too long. Why is this more than ninety? Why is this more than ninety minutes? Just people improving what other people look like. He looks like this. No, no, he looks a bit like this. I disagree. I'll tell you one thing. One thing that I read online that immediately uh, I was not a fan of was that apparently when Kate McKinnon turned up on set, she wanted to do a Russian accent, and Paul Feig said, "No, you need to do it as yourself." But she was like, I don't know who that is. I want, I want you to leave all is. of that silence in there. When we've talked about types of actors before, that type of empty vessel actor to me is like, ah, oh, it's the ones I can't hack. Did you watch that uh, Jim Carrey documentary, Jim and Andy? There, No, but there were elements, there were points in this film where I was like, she's doing a bad Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's, for she's, sure. She's, for she's, sure. She's doing, she's also doing a bad Timothy Carrey. There was times where she was just like doing stuff and like to kind of be like, hey, I'm doing stuff while other people were talking. She was like in frame at the bottom corner, just kind of like, I don't know, playing with something. So you've told me that, I, I don't know the differences between the two cuts, but you've told me there's apparently much more dancing in... in... You maybe had a dance number towards the end. There was a I lot think, of dancing. Uh, Chris, yeah, there was v- almost no dancing in my version. There was at least zero three points where people are dancing for an extended period of time. Oh, damn, I might need to watch the extended cut. I can't believe I got the no dance version. And actually, that reminds me of one of the uh, annoying improv bits, which is when I think it's uh, Kirsten Wig's character, Aaron, um, who I did not name my daughter after. Um, yes, you did. By the way, it's Kristen Wig. <laughs> oh, what have I been saying? But you're right. We should call her Kirsten. Oh, fine. Fuck it. Kristen Wig. Uh, Kirsty. Kirsty Wigs. Her like ex boyfriend or ex colleague or whatever comes along, and um, Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones are out the front of the Chinese restaurant, and Leslie Jones is like, "Oh, he looks like a sexy guy. He looks like he can dance." And Melissa McCarthy goes, no, no, he d- he doesn't look like he could dance at all. He looks like he, he is uh, just all right angles from down from the ribs. And he goes, no, no, it definitely looks like he could bust a move or whatever like that. And my, my, it must go on for like two minutes, this sequence. This is definitely not, I have never seen, I never saw this part. Oh, yeah. That is only in the extended. So at least there's some merit to the theatrical version. Oh. Because that sounds insane. I didn't see any. Oh, I didn't see Kristen Wiig's ex-boyfriend, former slash former colleague. The jokes are so. Unless it, um, the only former colleague of hers I saw was Charles Dance, who was horribly underused. Yes, you got Charles Dance in your movie. I I hope he got well paid. I'm sure he did because he's fucking Charles Dance and he's excellent and he's excellent in it. He does. He's it, fine. He does his Charles Dance thing. The first ten minutes of this film. I was like, this could be okay. I mean, I'll, I'll wait until we get to plot. But the first 10 minutes of the film, I was like, this is pretty good. And then, and and when we we first meet... Um, I agree. Kristen Wiig, and then she's talking to Ed Begley Jr. And you've got um, Zach Woods, who's in the, in the kind of haunted house. He's funny and everything. Mm. Yeah. And it feels good. And then as soon as you meet any of the other ladies, that's where it falls apart. I, I like and then immediately. Yeah, like, oh, no. and I remember thinking mm-hmm. um, when they were doing their final fight at the end, 
I had read uh, reviews that said like the effects were schlocky and stuff like that, and it's fine because it's Ghostbusters. And I remember watching the final fight and some of the like. I was just thinking, ah, this would have passed the bar in the original Ghostbusters. It's just silly ghost fighting. This is none of the things that I would have problems with at all. It's just, and we sh- should get into something more structured after this. But let's l- let me finish yeah, yeah, on yeah, this. Cast. Let me finish on this. Some of the joke, the jokes are so bad in this that by a certain point in the film, you're, I'm going, is that supposed to be a joke? Like, there's a part where <laughs> um, Leslie Jones says to a guy, she's working in the subway, she goes, uh, ah, there's a perfectly good, uh, there's a perfectly good bathroom upstairs in Starbucks, and just only a tweak in her voice made me go, oh, that's supposed to be a joke, that's a joke, they wrote that. Someone wrote that. That's a gag. That is the. That's the point. I, I, I'm I feeling didn't sorry think for Leslie people. Jones was that bad. No, I didn't. I own it. Like she got so much hate. She got like racist comments and things like that. I was expecting her to be like this way over the top stereotype. She pretty much wasn't most of the film. She wasn't bad at all. I think she was the the second best or third least bad of the four. If because I, I have a I have a clear ranking for the four characters of good to bad. Oh, should we save this till the not, end? Or bad, to, bad to worst. Yeah. Although I think you probably piece it together from everything we've already said. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I could. All right. <laughs> you, can, you pretty much draw up your own list. So, cast. You ready? Let's do cast. Okay, we've got Melissa McCarthy as Doctor Ab- Abigail L. Abby Yates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy is a cousin of famous anti-vaxxer Jenny McCarthy. Nice. According to Wikipedia, so it must be true. She started her career as a stand-up comedian before joining the Groundlings in LA, the sketch and improv group. Notable alumni include Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiig, and friend of the show Pat Morita, a.k.a. Mr. Miyagi. Have you ever watched his stand-up? No, never. Mr. Miyagi was a stand-up. Yeah, he was a stand-up back in the 70s. It's actually okay. It's I mean, it's like, it's like racial humor um, that doesn't fly nowadays but he's kind of you know making fun of himself making fun of asian people that would not be appreciated but whatever he was a solid he's a pretty solid stand-up comedian in the 70s find it on youtube mr miyagi yeah 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 i think he was a san francisco guy okay but yeah there's 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 a bunch of his stuff up on youtube so anyway that is that's what i wanted to talk about for uh, Melissa <laughs> McCarthy's trivia no she received an oscar nomination for her role as lee israel and can you ever forgive me with richard e grant that's, have you seen that yes i have seen that it's a um, ah. it's one of those um yeah yeah it, like i don't know it's one of those films that uh, you'd watch and go ah oh, i think i would have rather read the book of this for me, it didn't set the world on fire or anything. It's an interesting story. It's definitely an interesting story. It's not a great movie. Uh, that said, that d- director makes interesting films. She also made um, uh, recently uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the Mr. Rogers films. Oh, film yeah. with Tom okay, Hanks. I still haven't watched that. Which yeah. is, is really, really terrific. Okay, that was the end of Melissa McCarthy's uh, trivia. Next up is Kristen Wiig as Dr. Aaron, 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 Aaron Gilbert. Aaron. Wake fell there. into acting in a way that makes me like her more than the others. She attended the University of Arizona, majoring in art. When she took an acting class in college to fulfill a course requirement, the teacher suggested she continue acting. She was hired for a job at a plastic surgery clinic, drawing pictures of people's post-surgery bodies. 
but the day before the job began, she decided to move to Los Angeles and pursue an acting career. So she wasn't like one of those started at five years old. She was just kind of like, eh, she was in college and was like, oh, I guess I'll do this. University of Arizona, which I think is like famously really bad as well. So I think you, get, her. you can get that from her as well. She's fairly na- a na- <laughs> yeah. naturalistic actor. Yeah, she plays the same, mostly the same role. Uh, I really, I've always liked her. Yeah, me For too. me, she'll always be Vicky St. Elmo from MacGruber which I maintain is one of the best comedies of the last 20 years. I must re-watch MacGruber. I watched it sometime in the last few months, and I've seen it probably 10 times, I would say. And did you laugh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching it, like I was showing it to other people, so I was kind of like, I was almost going like, I hope they laugh at this. Yeah. So I'm staked my reputation on this. That'll happen. But yeah, no, it's a great film. I think they're making a TV series. I think that's what happened with the the follow-up. I don't think it's going to be a sequel film. I think it's a TV series that they're shooting, maybe currently. I know there is some MacGruber action happening. Uh, Kristen Wiig received an Oscar nomination because she was uh, the co-writer of Bridesmaids. So good for her. How good was she you. in in one? How was she in Wonder Woman 1984? I know you've seen that. I saw. Yes, I w- she was I- Cheetah. I quite enjoyed Wonder Woman 1984. I think it's a little bit of a thankless role for Kristen Wiig, personally, just because the weird CGI end she gets. But, I mean, yeah, she's fine. It's a big film. I mean, it's a massive film, so good yeah, for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly, truly good for her. Um, it, to be honest, like that film got a bit of a kicking, critically, and I quite enjoyed it. It could have been that I hadn't been back to the cinema in ages. And I was quite psyched to be there, but uh, I had fun with Wonder Woman 1984, and she's grand in it. Okay, next up, we've got Kate McKinnon as Dr. Gillian Holtz-Holtzman. McKinnon is a multi-instrumentalist. She plays piano, cello, and guitar. She's been on SNL since 2012, although there are rumors that she might leave this year. I guess um, the only sketch, in inverted commas, or thing that I'd seen from SNL was her as Hillary Clinton playing the piano, unironically singing Hallelujah in 2016. Have you watched that? No. God, sounds rough. It was the cold open to the show after Trump was elected. And she is really? dressed as Hillary Clinton, and she sang Hallelujah. My it, God. Not, in no joke whatsoever. How did... And it was... That's kind of... The- that, on, on a comedy show. Saturday Night Live, a comedy show. That's kind of, that's got to be the death knell of that show long before Shane Gillis got fired. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Yeah, isn't it? I watched the video and it is, it's rough. That's brutal. Christ. Imagine doing that. Like, it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think, well, okay, half of the USA, I, I guess, was like supporting Trump. But even among people who can see that Trump was insane or is insane. The concept of doing that in a comedy show. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Completely so earnest. No, no laughs. No, no, no way to like, there's not to satirize or anything. And she's dressed as I mean, Hillary Clinton. And no, to mm-hmm. be fair. Playing the piano. I mean, she's, she's an excellent pianist, great singer. This is the. Multi-instrumentalist. This is the thing that like, man, th- like th- some comedians managed it, but like. Whenever people tried to lampoon Trump and it just didn't work, the reason is they weren't embracing the fact that Trump was really funny. 
Yeah. And if you really embraced that fact and got into his cadence instead of trying to make fun of it, you could make great... Like with the Shane Gillis speed dating sketch, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And they actually kind of get into Trump's kind of cadence and he says some things that you can imagine <laughs> Trump having said. <laughs> you, yeah. you pussy stinks. I'm yeah. sure you got a stinky pussy. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, movie like it would it would have been such. But instead, they got Alec Baldwin going in doing this ridiculous. But I god damn it, I did not know about this thing with Kate McKinnon, and I find it profoundly depressing. I have to be honest with you. I don't know why I found it depressing. I have never been that into SNL, but the fact that anybody did that on such a large platform is upsetting to me. I mean, there's still there's still some SNL sketches that I've enjoyed. I've never ever watched the show. I've only ever watched random YouTube clips. It's not like I've ever yeah, sat me down too, me to too. watch the entire show. But yeah, I mean, there's still bits and pieces that I enjoy. But I don't know. Anyway, however, so now uh, Kate McKinnon looks like she's going to leave SNL, but her film career has stalled a little. The Spy Who Dumped Me, which came out in 2018, starring McKinnon and Mila Kunis, did not do very well commercially. Or critically. I haven't even heard of it. No, I don't think it's Oh, God. Funny. And also, Probably I, ju- I just remember funny. her in um, Yesterday, where she was horrible. That's the only other thing I've seen her in. And she was, again, she was a, I mean, it was a poorly written character, but she was acting in a very strange way, again, overacting distractingly bad exactly in a we, film yeah, i wasn't exactly, enjoying yes. to begin with yes uh, so these are that's my only real exposure to her maybe she's really good in other things and also i think i just i'm not her target audience uh kim mckinnon is openly gay and while studying at columbia she dated barry weiss barry weiss nice you know her yes i do the old like rogan idw talking head based af lady Pretty much. I mean, I actually, I took a listen to her podcast a couple of weeks ago, and um, it's become more and more clear to me in the last uh, few months that uh, I don't really need to have much to do with American political culture anymore. (laughs) Yes. I don't need to. I don't need to know this shit. I think we would all be much healthier if we just stayed away from it. Just listen to film podcasts. Yeah. No, no, I'm moving that direction. Like, I listen to Rogan (laughs) when he has comedians on these days. And I listen to to Legion of Skanks and Comptown. And I listen to film podcasts. (laughs) All the the healthy things. Yeah, 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 exactly. I just... I like uh, yeah, I was there. Like, uh, Sam Harris tweeted something. And I enjoy Sam Harris. God rest him, I do. But, um... Yeah, he pointed me towards Barry Weiss. I'm listening to them teaching yeah. critical race theory in American high schools. I've got like 40, like 40 minutes in I got. And I was just thinking, why? Why do I give a fuck? <laughs> yeah, well, I, you live in Barcelona. Well, this, this is, is it. it. I'm, uh, there's one thing I heard your man um, Douglas Murray say years ago in an interview that's kind of stuck with me. And it's grown in in my head in its potency, which is, is like a... <laughs> why are we uh, why are we allowing America to force their culture wars upon us? And I was like, yeah. yeah, man, they're not really happening over here. They're happening a bit more in the UK than Spain, certainly. But Spain doesn't give a fuck anyway. Well, if you go outside into the world and just interact with people, you find that the vast majority of people have no idea. Nobody knows like, what <laughs> the internet. What's that? They literally don't know what you're talking Nobody about. They're knows. like, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I thought everyone was talking about this. There, there's this, uh, there's this uh, 48-year-old man from the Isle of Man who works for me. And um, he, I came into him one day and uh, he goes, he says, uh, uh, Donica, 
what's non-binary? And I... Uh, <laughs> He was learning the these terms because, like, Joel just isn't on the internet. He's a free spirit, and somebody had said it to him by pa- chance, and he's there just concerned, looking at all, all this stuff on the internet, learning about this stuff. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I have known about here. this way too much for the last three or four years. Thanks, <laughs> internet. Anyway, yeah. go on. Maybe Kate McKinnon is wiser than all of us because she doesn't use social media, citing fears that it will misrepresent her real feelings. Ah. I don't think she has any real feelings on anything. I genuinely don't think she thinks one way or the other about anything. I, maybe I respect Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon is is the anti-Barry Weiss. She's got no opinions on anything. Maybe I'm starting to soften my view on her. She's great, actually. She is great, actually. So, last of the four, we've got Leslie Jones as uh, Patricia Patty Tolan. Jones is six feet tall and attended Chapman College on a basketball scholarship. No comment. You were born in nineteen. You were born in nineteen eighty-seven. Correct. Leslie Jones has been doing stand-up comedy since nineteen eighty-seven. How old is she? She's in her fifties. She must be about fifty-three. I think she started when she what? was twenty. Yeah, she's been. Yeah, she started when she was twenty because she's been doing it thirty-three years. She's fifty-three. Have you seen any of her stand-up? Probably it's somewhere something. Um, she opened for Jamie Fox on his tour and was booed relentlessly by his audience. And in 2010, she stopped playing black clubs, fearing that she was doomed to only be known on the black circuit. And uh, Chris Rock eventually helped her to get hired on SNL. Huh. I, I was reading a story about her recently. Uh, in the last month or so, she bumped Anthony Jeselnik on a show in L.A., and then she ran the light by about 25 minutes. And there was like a big red, they were flashing the big red light and then comics at the back of the room were waving their mobile phones. And she just kept going and going and going. And Anthony Jeselnik got into a big huff and left and didn't go on. And then on the the, the next day, he talked about it on his podcast, would, basically uh, calling Leslie Jones out. Would he be, would, would they not be about the same level of famous? I think so. Yeah, so it's, it's so. weird that she maybe could... she, but she's on SNL. Maybe that's Trump. Well, she was on SNL. She's not on SNL anymore, is she? Yeah, no, no, that's true. That was. I think she left about six years, five, six years ago. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but it was just funny to see because that was some outdoor show, also, <laughs> some LA hotel or something. But good to see that uh, people are are being uh, mature as always. Yes. Uh, next up is someone we haven't mentioned at all, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. It's Kevin Beckman. Uh, they're really, um, with him, they're really uh, digging only in the uh, joke bin that was used uh, more famously for Joey Tribbiani in the later series of Friends in that yeah. not quite stupid, mentally retarded. <laughs> I didn't mind the like Kristen Wiig Me Too m- moments where she's basically trying to no you know, like no 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 he, he he spits out his coffee and then she takes the coffee cup and starts drinking it that was one moment in the film that actually <laughs> made like, me laugh yeah i'm on board with that that actually I'm made me laugh that. all the things that she did where she was you know being creepy towards him i did think were funny but sure if you just listen back to our episode about um black hat i think we both could acknowledge that chris hemsworth is just an insanely beautiful man Yes, I agree. I would drink a cup of his saliva. Yeah, yeah, there's the no getting away from it. Itself. God damn, we are going on again. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get there, we'll get there. Okay. <coughs> Try not to die. Okay, go on, go on. Let's, let's, Hem- go on. Hemsworth, 
Stop talking. Hemsworth came to prominence playing the role of Kim Hyde on Australian soap opera Home and Away. That's right. From 2004 to 2007. This week, as we're recording, saw the sad death of former Home and Away star Dieter Brummer, a.k.a. Shane of Shane and Angel fame. Do you remember Shane? I do remember Shane. Remember Shane? He died. He died in the motorbike. show. Motorbike. Yeah, he, in real life. he died in a That's right. Motorbike but he accident. didn't die of like he didn't die in the, of the motorbike accident. I mean, he got like he he had some wound that became infected or something. He had like blood poisoning in the show. And That's uh, real knowledge. Chris Hemsworth, but sadly, Dieter Brummer killed himself. Chris Hemsworth in the show. Um, sorry about that, Dieter Brummer. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Sorry, Dieter Brummer, but but your friend of the show, Dieter Brummer. We're ending that part. Uh, yeah, we're Kim, moving on. Chris, to someone more important. Chris Hemsworth, aka Kim, in Home and Away, uh, he got mumps and was rendered infertile, and then uh, that ended his relationship with his psychiatrist, Rachel. This was Kim Hyde. Yeah, that's... you're you're younger than me. I I definitely stopped watching Home and Away at this point. There you are now. And you could actually you could like actually be watching ladies. Nice uh, high five. Uh, Thanks. You could actually be watching Home and Away back in the day when Chris Hemsworth is in it and go, "Oh, uh, this guy is better than Home and Away for real." Like you just, it was not surprising at all to see him elevate. Plenty of people made it, got out of Home and Away and made it to Hollywood. There's been plenty. Yes, Heath Ledger, for example, was he in Home and Away? Success story. Or he was in Neighbours. He was in one of them. It's all the same. Anyway. Hemsworth grew up partially in the outback in Balmain ter- Northern Territory. He says his most vivid memories of childhood are of crocodiles and buffalo. That is the type of shit that's on here. He's married to Spanish actress Elsa Pataki, blah, blah, blah. He was in Black Hat. Has he ever been bad in anything? This was my question. Can you recall seeing Chris Hemsworth and thinking, ugh? No. Me neither, but I haven't seen Men in Black International. I bet he's good in it. You think so? Probably, yeah. almost, almost makes me want to watch it. Yeah. Okay, final cast member that I've got anything to say about is Neil Casey playing Rowan North, the baddie. Neil Casey oh, yeah. performed and taught, performed and taught at UCB in the early 2000s. An improv teacher. Yeah. Yeah. He's grand, I suppose, isn't he? He's actually well-suited for what they have him playing. He's taking it a lot more seriously yeah. than anyone else. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, he's, for sure. He's, used, he's got the same tone as the first films. Yeah, he's like, like Sig- Sigourney Weaver in the first film, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's taking it way more seriously. Uh, Neil Casey went on to become a writer on SNL for one season and a member of the writer's room on Inside Amy Schumer with people like Kyle Donegan and Kurt Metzger. Nice. He also appeared in a, in a futile and stupid gesture, which I really enjoyed, the film about the Harvard Lampoon. Oh Did yeah, you ever watch no, that? but you've told me about it on numerous occasions. Actually, yeah. I need to watch it. No, I, okay, I just to fire through the rest of the cast. Andy Garcia's Mayor Bradley. I thought he was on good form. Nice to see him. Yes, again. I did too. Cecily Strong is Jennifer Lynch. Uh, she was considered for a leading role. I think she would have been a much better Holtzman. She was Andy Garcia's aide. Yeah, Michael K. Williams then pops up. Michael K. Williams and Matt Walsh are Agent Hawkins and Agent Rourke. Can both. I? Go on, sorry. Worthless. Maybe they maybe they danced in your version. They didn't dance in mine. They were useless. No, there was a weird uh, improv situation when they were driving away and he awkwardly had to try and get into a car and then there was somebody sitting in the no, seat. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. um, I didn't see that. Yeah, but look, this is a great example of just really flabby scripting. 
Like, all the stuff with the mayor's office does not matter. It's not funny, and it doesn't matter to the story. It can be axed so easily. I guess there, that was something that was kind of calling back to the first film or something. Maybe, but I mean, the, the, the fir- in the first film, they get it out of the way in like one scene, the fa- famously very funny scene where he's like, uh, where we yes, would have gotten... this man has no dick. Yeah, exactly, that one. That's, is that later on, or is that that one? No, no, no that's the, the scene I'm referring to. Like, the, this has a whole sort of subplot where it is that, yeah, we, we believe you, we believe in the ghosts, but we need you to shut up yeah. about them. It, take, it, it, take, it eats up about, like, maybe in your version 15, in mine probably 25 minutes of the running time. It's crazy. Yeah, that's mad. Anyway, what is the so running finally, time? Go on. Uh, the running time, well, it's just, it's just over two hours. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, finally, last two, we've got Charles Dance, as mentioned, is Dr. Harold Fillmore. He's on, in my version, he was in it for about one minute in total. I thought he was good. And then you've got Ed Begley Jr. as Ed Mulgrave, who I enjoyed his scenes at the start as well. The plot's a little weird, so the way that it's written, so if you have anything to interject with, we'll just stop, but yeah. here we go. So, physicists Abby Yates and Aaron Gilbert are estranged friends in New York City who co-authored Ghosts from Our Past, a book detailing their investigations on the paranormal since the latter's teenage encounter with an apparition. Which we hear about later, and yeah, whatever. I don't remember that. I know it definitely was in my version, but I... Don't, what happened with the app? What did she see as a teenager? I think uh, Leslie Jones says, how come you got into ghosts? And then she, oh, she yeah. tells the story. I don't remember the story at all, though. Anyway, while Abby continued at an inadequate research university, the Kenneth P. Higgins Institute of Science, with eccentric engineer Gillian Holtzman, Aaron, now a professor at Columbia University, disowned the work to gain academic tenure. When Abby republished the book, Erin convinces her to remove its publication after helping Abby and Gillian at an allegedly haunted house. They encounter a malevolent woman in white that oddly ionized, electrified, before it escapes, restoring Erin's supernatural beliefs and friendship with Abby. So, like, that's the whole starting part. They go to that kind of haunted house where Zach Woods is a tour guide, and then there's the ghost in the basement. Yeah. That was all fine. I I was on board with all of that. I thought that was okay. Yeah, was the well intro done. was grand, but then of course we go around and we meet. But Kate what about McKinnon. that point? A point at the start there where like Zach Woods, when he goes down into the basement and it looks like he's gonna fall into the slime pit, and you get the sense that like he his mind is going to be taken over by the ghost or something. Yeah, something like that. But then that. in the next scene, he's just okay. He's like, yeah, I don't want to go back in there. Yeah, they don't quite revisit it. It's weird. It's like they were going for something and then they were just like, ah, fuck it. It's almost but like... And again, that's the vast majority of this film. It's almost like it was hastily put together and not well thought out. <laughs> I think they might have written the script for this in a very short period of time, actually. I seem to recall reading that somewhere. Even so... Their vlog has become viral, become viral, and the trio is fired because of this. Yep. After stealing equipment, they established temporary headquarters above a Chinese restaurant, with Aaron naming them conductors of the metaphysical examination, much to Abby's consternation. By the way, the guy who fires them from um, Kate McKinnon and Melissa McCarthy's university... When he's firing oh, them yeah, in your funny. in your version, does he do the whole multiple versions of giving the middle finger, or is that just my? Oh version? yeah, that was awful. That yes, survived. Yes, okay, yes. Okay. that was really really bad. Very yeah, bad, he yeah. does like 
what's that from? I've seen that in something else of like maybe you, doing your all, childhood, like, yeah, maybe. Giving, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna give you the bird, and then he does another thing. You're like winding it up and all this shit. I was in holiday mode, and, and even talking about this film is making me hateful again. I didn't mind the moment where they go to the firehouse early on, and then they find out how much the rent costs, and then they end up at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, whatever. Didn't, it like, didn't bother me. That was okay. It didn't bother. I was because at the point that I, that seemed like they were going down the Twenty One Jump Street route there. Yeah, of kind of yeah. Making actually, fun of like, how the fuck do you afford a firehouse? They actually, like, it's, yeah, it's eleven thousand a month. They veer, and she's like, "What?" They veer close enough to, yeah, actually, yeah, fair but enough. Then they fuck it up, yeah, because that would have worked if they'd continued that track. It would have been all right. So they build technology to track ghosts and hire naive unemployed actor Kevin Beckman as a receptionist. So that's uh, old Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Metropolitan Transportation Authority, MTA, staffer Patty Tolan encounters a ghost in a terminal built under a haunted prison in Auburn. What? And contacts the team. They find the ghost and test Jillian's prototype on the entity, but fail to capture it. That's another problem. They don't, they don't explain anything of the tech that they're using. No. Or they, it's actually, just kind of <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, you know, I, I have this. I have this hastily put together thing. And actually, later on, they almost have a James Bond Q scene in the back alley. <laughs> yeah. Which was suggested by Melissa McCarthy. That was her idea to have that scene where they test out um, all of their gadgets. I mean, so I think that that was like a last minute scene. That they yeah, showed. sounds like throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks, no? Yeah. They advertise their services with a no ghosts allowed logo that Jillian made and the name pundits have labeled them Ghostbusters. Patty joins the team providing extensive knowledge of the state of New York, utility jumpsuits and boots and a repurposed hearse, Ecto-1. All of that stuff, again, is like they're tied to the previous universe, but in a way that's kind of handcuffing them from doing anything good with it. Yeah. You've got uh, Winston Zedmore. What's that actor called? Ernie? Is that Ernie Hudson? Who turns up who's um, the uncle? Yeah, at the end. Yeah, 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 that's right. He's the last of the Ghostbuster cameos. Rowan North, a mad scientist delving into the occult, affects the supernatural events by attracting ghosts on haunted locations with devices he invented that are akin to the Ghostbusters technology to experiment and to create a vortex powered by electrically charged psychokinetic energy. That's one ba, sentence. Ba, 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 ba. Fucking ma- Whoever wrote this, this is awful. Ba, ba, when ba, ba. Rowan plants another ionizer at concert, the Ghostbusters are called and capture a bestial entity that resides there, becoming city sensations. I didn't mind the uh, concert scene. You, I don't know if that's damning with faint praise, you, but like, it's a, it you, didn't bother me. You sound like a guy trying to introduce me to his girlfriend who you know I'll hate. Yeah, definitely, yes. I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> she's she's not that bad, yeah, yeah, I swear. You, yeah. you, you definitely get used to her. Oh, God, no, I didn't like that at all. Um, and uh, then I particularly, uh, I have really, it really bothered me, the Ozzy Osbourne cameo at the end. Oh, that was awful, yeah. They're just like, Sharon. I, like, I'm a big Black Sabbath fan. Whenever I see that shit, it bothers me. But especially 2016 Ozzy Osbourne. I would get if it was like 2008 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an out-of-date cameo, too. But 2016, you're like, what? What's going on? Where, where's the rest of the Osbournes? Why are we doing this? Uh, but coming up is the part that I had more of a problem with. When debunker Dr. Martin Heiss... 
challenges the Ghostbusters, Aaron releases the ghost as proof it throws oh, yeah, it's out mad. a window and escapes. They kill Bill Murray. Yeah, it's fairly mad, that bit. Apparently, the reason he agreed to do it was because he's friends with Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon. And so he agreed to be in the film to do that awful character who is then thrown out of a window to his death. Yeah, that was awful. Which is probably the best he could hope for, but just terrible. The Ghostbusters are brought to Mayor Bradley and his secretary, uh, Jennifer Lynch, who reveal that they and the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, are aware of the city's supernatural activities. While privately supporting the team's work, the mayor's office and DHS publicly denounce them as fraudsters. That's what you were talking mm-hmm. about before. The Ghostbusters realize that Rowan is planting his devices uh, along Jesus. ley lines. Do, do they talk about ley lines in the first film? Uh, I don't know, actually, to be honest. <laughs> I actually Googled ley lines just to see what it was. And yeah, it is. It's a real thing. It's one of the stupidest thing. things I've read. It is a real thing and it's awful. It's a really, really stupid thing that came from the 1920s of a guy just randomly drawing lines across the earth and going, look, all of these supernatural events which happened in completely different time periods happen on these weird lines that I've drawn. Uh, with their alignments intersecting at the Mercado Hotel and Times Square, a site of violent occurrences. They find that Rowan's vortex will breach a ghostly afterlife dimension on the point, attempting to compass the apocalypse. What does that mean? Does that mean? I don't know. This is what's written here. Attempting to compass or compass. Compass. Compass is not a verb. That's what it says here. It says compass. Uh, Whatever. To avoid capture, Rowan electrocutes himself with his ionizer's dynamo. (laughs) With his ionizer's. All right. Ionizer's apostrophe dynamo. Oh, fuck. This readout After is which not working. Jillian deactivates them. Jillian finds an annotated copy of Ghosts from Our Past in Rowan's underground. Oh, this part is retarded as well. He's explaining he's, the similarity between their technologies. Because he's got all these crazy fucking John Doe from Seven drawings on it, and she draws a conclusion. <laughs> of, of himself. Yeah, yeah. Of himself committing suicide the exact way that it happened yeah yeah and she electrocuting him she draws a conclusion she's like oh no this is what this means because he drew it what it was all part of his evil plan anyway he drew a picture he drew the pictures in the book because that's the best way to so that you can see your own planning is if you draw a picture rowan returns as a powerful ionized ghost and attempts to kill the ghostbusters by possessing abby but patty stops him he then inhabits Kevin and returns to the hotel, opening the portal and releasing galvanized ghosts. Galvanized ghosts. The authorities and the military are subdued, but the Ghostbusters fight through Rowan's spectral army to reach the portal. Oh, gods. Yeah, so all of these, that whole, the, there's weird fight scenes with ghosts that seem to be from like the 1920s mm. and then from our different time periods. The effects are all weird. They have gadgets. One of the gadgets is like a type of wood chipper. Yeah. Like, what's that? What is that? There's a, there's a kind of hand grenade that only affects ghosts. Why did they think that was appropriate? Couldn't they just use... They fire their proton packs in just a way of... They're just going like... Uh, yeah, just yeah. waving them around everywhere. Definitely not. They they cut out a part about crossing... Did You had a part about crossing the streams... Yes, 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 yeah, that, that wasn't in mine. That wasn't. That didn't make it to my cut. After leaving Kevin, Rowan takes the form of the sketch ghost in the Ghostbusters logo, grows over 100 feet tall, and attacks the city. So they reuse Stay Puffed. 
but instead of that, it's the ghost from the logo. But they do have little Stay Puffed Marshmallow men, right? What? Hold on. What? Stay Puffed doesn't make an appearance in your version. No, there's a big giant. This big giant no, ghost from from the logo. First of all, they have to fight Stay Puffed in the director's cut. I'm not joking. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, that. they have to. I saw. Th- I thought there were like little Stay. No, big giant men. Stay Puffed. He lands on them squashes them and then uh, oh yeah 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 no no that's i did see that he's like a a macy's day parade balloon type thing yeah 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 he's and then and they pop him uh kristen wick comes that's back her comeback yeah yeah exactly oh get through now this that i'm thinking but now uh, don't worry there's a, a literally three sentences to go but now that i'm thinking about it i think the little stay puff marshmallow guys might have been in the afterlife trailer that i watched Oh yeah, there are that there are little be, staple think, men in the tra- in the first trailer at least. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think that's why I'm confusing those points together. Uh, the team uses the Ecto One's reactor as a makeshift bomb, detonating a nuclear explosion that protonically protonically reverses the vortex, which forces the ghost back and closes the portal, restoring the city. All that portal thing was again that was some weird weird uh, shit that made no sense. Rowan tries to drag Abby with him in retaliation, but Aaron leaps into the portal and rescues her. Oh, yeah. She ties up cord around herself. And goes to another dimension. Jumps into an abyss. Grabs, she shoots the big kind of ghosty thing. She shoots that to release Abby from its hand. Grabs Abby and then successfully gets pulled out of this this vortex just before it closes. Well done. The mayor's office agrees to secretly fund the Ghostbusters operations while continuing to denounce them publicly. It's just like the Suicide Squad. With new funding, the Ghostbusters move to a disused firehouse where they build more... The, with new funding, the Ghostbusters move to a disused firehouse where they build more means, including an ecto-containment system. Jesus Christ. While investigating electronic voice phenomenon, EVP, Patty hears the strange word Zool. I never noticed that. No, neither did I. This is possibly the worst Wikipedia film summary that I have read, but it's very fitting for the film, though. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. It's incoherent. It's whacked together. Uh, I really hated watching this. I'll never watch it again. By the way, you you messaged me earlier in the week if if I had a lady version of any films. I came yes. up with a couple. What did you come up with? Well, the first one that I came up with was Lady Heat. Okay, tell me. So all I, there's no changes of plot. I'm maintaining plots exactly the same. It's just casting. So Al Pacino replaced with Melissa McCarthy. Nice. Robert De Niro, Kristen Wiig. Nice. Uh, Val Kilmer, Kate McKinnon. Nice. Michael <laughs> Michael T. Williamson, Leslie Jones. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ashley Judd, you get Chris Hemsworth as Ashley Judd. Okay. And then for Wayne Grow, Neil Casey, the oh. perfect Wayne Grow. Very good, very good. I thought of, I, I went in a different direction. I thought uh, Lady Weapons. Uh, so um, Mrs. Riggs and Mrs. Murta are so sick of their oh, husbands okay. gallivanting that they decide to get together and play tricks on them. In a kind of a That's home nice. alone scenario, Lady Weapons. The other one I've got is uh, Lady Usual Suspects. 
Okay, tell me. So, 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 again, mine is just casting. Okay, it's not the plot's the same. Okay, so you've got on the on the poster from left to right is Kevin Pollock, Stephen Baldwin, Benicio del Toro, Gabriel Byrne, and Kevin Spacey. First, Kevin Pollock. I'm thinking Jewish comedian. Any ideas who I went for? I don't. I have no idea. Because maybe you're thinking Sarah Silverman or something, but no, Lena Dunham. Okay, nice, nice. That's who you get. Kevin Pollack replaced with old Lena Duncombs. Stephen Baldwin, Trump supporter. You can probably guess this one. Uh, Gina Carano? Correct. So Stephen Baldwin replaced by Gina Carano. Doing some nice sniping. Oswald was a, Oswald was a Paul Feig, I believe is the, is the line. Mm-hmm. Next, we've got Benicio Del Toro, who's some kind of Spanish. Any ideas? Penelope Cruz? Sofia Vergara. Oh, okay. It's a perfect flip you for real. Gabriel Byrne, Irish playing American. Sharon Horgan? That was one of the choices. I was going to go for Saoirse Ronan. Okay, nice. I think she would make an excellent Keaton. Nice. Dean Keaton. Nice. Finally, uh, Kevin Spacey. For Kevin Spacey, I decided to go for Elliot Page. Nice. Playing play, playing Geyser Soze, though. <laughs> Very good. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I've got I've got one more to put for you. Um, so the, mine's actually a TV series. So instead of uh, you know um the it, the Gareth Ennis uh, anti-superhero adaptation The Boys, I thought The Lady Boys, right? Okay. So where you've got the in- <laughs> okay. the entire cast while on the run from superheroes move to Thailand and cut their cocks off and work as prostitutes. Lovely. That's that's great. You should definitely pitch that. All right. So this was your criteria, which is a film from the year of your birth, 1987. Yeah. I had a few options, but I decided to go for something really, really big, which I'd never seen before, The Princess Bride. Oh, wow. Okay. I've said this many times on this podcast, but I hope you win. Uh, I'm going to fill in the gap in my Bernardo Bertolucci knowledge and go for The Last Emperor. Oh, my God. A famously long film, yes. Oh, okay, yeah, I think I've seen that. Okay. I think I've seen that before. What do you got? Okay, so I'm tossing today out of, uh, you know, just just helping out. So we've got The Queen's Head or some kind of, well, it's like a rose, thistle, leek, and uh, clover. I'll take The Queen's Head. It is the Queen's Head. Hey, three hours of Chinese emperors, here we come. Woo! Would you like to give next week's criteria? Certainly. On Box Office Mojo, there's a list of the highest grossing films uh, of all time. There are around 200 films that have grossed more than $500 million worldwide. So one of those 200 films, a film that grossed more than $500 million. Ah, well, if people paid to see it, it's guaranteed quality. I look forward to it. Well, hopefully some, someone will have seen it. Indeed. Right. On that note, I'll have to say goodbye to you. This has been longer than I thought it would be. To yes. <laughs> Good God. Thank you. And thank you, everybody listening. And uh, I love you. I love you too. Bye. Song.